Um, what a joy to be in the house of God, isn't it? What a joy to have loud praise and be able to worship the Lord with such liberty and freedom. It's been so long. Uh, so uh, I've missed you all. We've all missed each other, haven't we? And some of us even new to the life of Wellspring is like, I don't miss any of you because I never, didn't know you before. Um, well, we're really glad to welcome those of you who've become part of the Wellspring family uh, during this uh, whole COVID nonsense 18 months. So... Uh, uh, just thank God for what he's done in the life of the church. Amen. And uh, Helen uh, is uh, over preaching at Woodside Community Church up in, uh, on Woodside, and uh, she sends her love and blessings. And you know, Helen and I both as senior leaders are so pleased with how we see God moving in the life of the church, uh, not least through David uh, in his role now as lead pastor in the pastoral leadership team. Uh, can't you just see them growing uh, day by day and week by week, and we just thank God for that. And we, we're really, really grateful for what he's doing here uh, in the life of this church family. Now, I need to get your permission before we open God's word together. Uh, this might hurt. You know, maybe if you've had the vaccination, maybe there was a bit of a warning. Uh, this might feel like you might feel a little scratch, right? So um, this, what we're going to talk about in the next half an hour or so, it could be a little bit difficult. Is that all right if we go there? Is it okay if we get real and talk about something that actually is deep and personal and profound and potentially life-changing, but also potentially very uncomfortable? Do I get, have your permission in the room? Okay, at home. Listen, if I'm competing with the closing ceremony of the Olympics, honestly, if it's, if it's actually even an issue for you, turn me off and just watch the Olympics. Seriously, if I'm competing with anything else, we're not going to have an encounter with the Word of God if you're distracted. So put the other screens down uh, and let's together at home and in the room meet God around his Word. Is that all right? Uh, if you want to watch the Olympics, watch the Olympics. But if you want to delve into the Word of God, let's do that together with all our focus on Him. Can I hear an amen to that? Yeah. Are we all right? So I, I don't know, sometimes, maybe you have this experience, you wake up worrying. Anyone had mornings like that? You wake up and your first thought isn't, good morning, Holy Spirit. But your thought is, I can't face today. Oh no, what have, what have I forgot to do? I forgot to do this. My boss is this. My kids are this. Uh, then we can wake up with a cloud over us from the instant that we wake up. Uh, uh, others of us have that kind of cloud appears when we're trying to get to sleep at night. Does anyone have any of these issues? You know, where actually your thoughts begin to go in multiple directions all at the same time. And you worry so much that actually you can't fall asleep. We've all had moments like that. Some of us have more than moments like that. That's actually a regular uh, kind of experience for us. Well, uh, we, we can be distracted. We can wake up with a gut feeling, you know, that knot in your stomach, that things are just not right. And that can last for an hour. It can last for hours. It can last for days. It can last for months. And we can, in the end, be, be defined by something that actually Jesus speaks very directly about. We're, if we're not careful, we can be defined by what we worry about. And yet the message today from the Sermon on the Mount is, do not worry. Do not worry. And you might be thinking, do not worry. But how can I not worry? What would I be like? What would my life be like? What would my family life be like if I didn't worry? 
What would my experience be like if I could be free from worry? Tim, honestly, you, you might be leaning in saying, I need to know more about this because I'm not sure I know what that feels like. You see, many of us, we kind of, it's like we're navigating in the fog that, that actually all around us and inside us, there's like a cloud that gathers very, very easily. It's part of the human condition. It's part of the effect of sin on the world. It's, we also don't help ourselves. And we're kind of navigating, and, uh, and we kind of, if you like, looking at the match here, we kind of navigate by the light we've created, but actually in the end, it's not much at all. In fact, it's like having a match and navigating to a match when the sun is there, and yet we focus on the match. And as you see, this has been extinguished so quickly. The light that we think we navigate by cannot navigate us to the life of freedom that God has for us. And in fact, as we open the Sermon on the Mount, as David has so passionately led this um, already, this is a massive challenge to us as followers of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, just to set the scene, in verse 22, Jesus talks directly to this, and then we're going to spend a bit more time in the verses that follow. He says this, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. Listen to this. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep the darkness is. Imagine if the light we look to to make decisions, to make progress in our lives, to grow, is actually in itself just more darkness. This paints a profound picture for us because in many ways we have, in many ways our society and even parts of Christianity or churchianity were in danger of ignoring God and finding through some self-help version of the Christian life where it's like we're navigating by a match when if only we would look to the sun. Does anyone know what I'm talking about today? You see, he says it's possible for our vision to be bad, for our eyes to be bad, to not see. Now, I have to admit, as I get older, um, I've, I've realized that a trick I used to depend on doesn't work anymore. Let me explain. Uh, every couple of years, I have an eye test. And every time they give me a stronger prescription, anyone know what I'm talking about? So from the time I was like 20 until now, the, the lenses have got thicker and thicker and thicker. And uh, I used to set aside my old glasses that would get scratched and, and dumped. So when I'm doing DIY, I, I don't damage the good ones and I use the old ones, right? The other day, I'm there, I'm measuring a piece of wood with my old glasses and I'm realizing I cannot read the tape measure. I need my verifocals. I'm in my 40s and I need verifocals. Some of you are like, are you in your 40s? Yeah, I am. Look, I'm well under. I'm well in my just 40s, right? right? Some of us are still there. Anyway, I, I find, you know, the difference is when you have clear vision, then actually the fruit it brings, the, the things you can't do when you can't see. It's a really simple principle. Well, uh, what this series is called Living for Jesus. And if I get David's heart right and the pastoral leadership team, really it's about actually living for Jesus. The series is about actually living for Jesus. Not just talking, not just having beliefs, but turning it into behavior. Not, not just having theory, 
And we've all got lots of theories, not even just having theology, but practicing the theology, living it out in action. That's the heart of God for us, to not just be Christians by name, but Christ followers in how we live on a Monday morning and on a Thursday afternoon. That is the heart behind this, that we might go from a training phase to this is the real competition, right? You've seen the Olympics. They say, oh, it's been five years preparing for this. And now we're actually here, and the podium is over there, and the competition is on. Guess what, guys? We're in the Olympics. This is the real deal. This is it. How we live, what we do with what we've learned, today is a day like we're in the competition. We're not in training anymore. You might say, well, I'm in my, I'm in my teens, or I've got the whole of my life ahead of me. No, you've got today. Today, how you live matters. And the heart of God is that we would not worry. The Lord says today, on the 8th of August, 2021, he says, today, do not worry. Everyone say together, do not worry. That's what he says. I wonder what he really means. Well, in, uh, I don't know if you found this in the Sermon on the Mount, but some of it's very uncomfortable. Jesus is not there carrying a lamb, stroking it gently and saying, I love you all. I love you like I really love you. In fact, all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, there's so many instructions. You know, but I thought Jesus was nice. <laughs> well, why is he telling me all these things that I shouldn't do? Isn't Jesus nice? Well, Jesus is loving, but he's not nice. Jesus is the one who holds the standard up and raises it. He holds the standard of the law and the prophets and he raises it because he gives us the power to live life like we're from a different kingdom, according to a different order altogether. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is encouraging us to do, to choose one or the other. So he says in verse 24, no one can serve two masters for you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted, hold on to that word, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve, he says, both God and money or God and mammon. You cannot. You either live one way or the other. It's very binary. And it's not very trendy to say this. I'm probably going to offend at least one of you. I'll definitely offend somebody at home in something I say over the next 20 minutes. I'm not in trying to offend you, but it's pretty offensive. You're either one or the other. You're either living for Jesus or you're not. You're either living according to his kingdom or you're amongst the unbelievers, the pagans he describes. And we'll come to that in just a couple of minutes. In fact, let's read the rest of this passage and then we'll unpack it a bit. So from, these are familiar words, but don't let their familiarity bounce off you because the Lord is wanting to say to you and want to highlight from this passage, he doesn't want you to worry. He's got a better way for each of us to live. That is why I tell you, that is why, huh? Interesting. You cannot serve two gods. That is why I tell you. You cannot have a divided devotion. That is why I tell you. In other words, if you do what I tell you, you will be serving God. Hello? And if you don't do what I'm telling you, you're not serving God. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? and your body more than clothing. Look at the birds. And maybe at this point, Jesus is looking over, and there's some birds in a tree. You can imagine it. And they'll go, oh, yeah, look at those birds. 
Sorry, that's, that's me. That's not from the New Living Translation. Uh, I know it's, yeah, anyway. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And the answer is no. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field. And at this point, they look over and just over the side, there's some lilies, I'm imagining. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? That's uncomfortable. Verse 31. So here he says again, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Hallelujah. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. Hallelujah. I love the word of God. If only we would live this out and we can. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. He paints a picture for all of us today, even 2,000 years later, to live a worry-free life. Is anyone interested? Is anyone interested in that? I know I am. I'm drawn, I'm, I'm leaning into Jesus now and I'm saying, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, would you, would you show us what it might mean for us to be worry-free? What does that look like in this crazy age? What does it really look like? You might say, well, it was easy for Jesus. He didn't have a mortgage. No, the Son of Man didn't even have a house. You might say, well, it, it, it was easy for in the first century. Things were a bit easier. No, when he says, don't worry about what to eat, he, he's actually saying, that don't worry about whether or not your family will be able to eat their next meal. Don't worry about that. But my family, poor little Billy, what's Billy going to eat? <laughs> like they, they weren't worried. It's like, is it, I don't know, Taco Bell or McDonald's this evening? Don't worry about what to eat. Don't worry about what you wear. And some of you might be looking at me today and say, well, Tim obviously doesn't worry about what he wears. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, the amount of energy and time we spend in worrying about what we wear. And when those shoes wear out, don't worry about whether you'll be able to get the next pair of shoes. Because the Lord knows our needs. So in this context, Jesus describes a group of people called the unbelievers in the New Living Translation. Others say the pagans. The Greek is the nations. The nations worry. And the Greek word that is used throughout this passage, the root of the word, um, the, the word is merimnao. And the word for worry is merimnao. And what it means is divided. Divided. 
The unbelievers are divided in their head, divided in their heart. They are worrying in different directions. Now, um, I'm going to come over here and just, uh, just for a few minutes, if I can. Now, last week, if you missed uh, Stephanie's message, uh, last week, Steph was talking about whether or not the Lord was in uh, our hearts and our lives, whether he was on the throne or whether we are. And Steph had lots of straight lines, okay? Um, and maybe, that's, uh, maybe everything in her mind and thoughts are completely ordered all the time. I don't know. She's sitting just here. And she's very ordered as a person. So maybe, you know, I looked at it, and when I thought about this this week, I thought of one of those Peanuts cartoons. You know, when uh, Charlie Brown's confused, and there's a, there's a thought bubble above his head, and it's just a scribble. So, so when Jesus talks about worrying, uh, I want to unpack this a little bit for you. And we have influences that, that influence our thoughts so profoundly uh, an easy one might be today, um, this one here, the weather. The weather actually can have an impact on how we feel, on the things that we do, the decisions that we make. It can. Um, what about this lovely one here? I don't know. I heard, I heard on Facebook that the vaccine was the government's plan to kill us all. That's what I heard, that actually all the governments had agreed that they wanted to kill everyone. I heard that on Facebook. I also heard on Facebook that Jesus is a complete muppet, that he didn't exist. I've heard all sorts of things on Facebook. Is that an influence for us? You might be thinking, oh, I don't do Facebook. I don't do, fa- I, I don't do Facebook. I, I, I've chosen not to. Well, I wonder if you've chosen not to pay any interest in what the BBC has to say or to do. Other things that affect us very deeply. Memories. Things that that, that are dragging from our past and influencing what we do today. Hurts, things that have really hurt us. You might say, well, I, I, I don't know about that, but I get, I get these WhatsApp. I'm in so many WhatsApp groups. I'm in a neighborhood WhatsApp group that some of the time is good. Other times I'm worried about someone else's seagulls. You think I'm joking? We've got a seagull problem in North Bushy. I'm thinking, why am I wicked? I wonder how this... I saw a seagull the other day driving down my road. I thought, ah, that must be one of the dreaded seagulls of Park Avenue. What about this one? Hormones. Uh, Anyone experienced on either side uh, the perimenopause? Adolescence? I'm not looking at anyone, but I reckon there's probably any adults here, (laughs) any teenagers here. It's amazing the impact these things have. Or we see something on Instagram, you think, oh, I'm not influenced by that. Do you know, we're profoundly influenced by the images that we see. They do, they have an impact on us. And you might say, well, uh, what does Pinterest have to do with it? I thought, well, no, I just found it on a page of logos, so I thought I'd print it off. (laughs) Everyone looks at Pinterest and like does a really bad version of what they've just seen. That's just my experience. And they oh, look what I did on Pinterest. Like, yeah, it was better in the picture than what you did. YouTube. Watch and watch and watch and watch and watch and watch. Do you think it doesn't impact you? Did you see during the Olympics the children doing gymnastics in their lounges? When two days before they didn't even know what gymnastics was. They see an hour of gymnastics and they're trying to do the pommel horse 
on their brother or sister in the lounge. It's incredible how we're influenced by what we see. Twitter. You might think, oh, I've grown out of Twitter. Well, some people haven't, and it's ruining some people's lives. And then we get these two, these last uh, few opinion. It might be, I don't know, your mother-in-law's opinion. It might be your partner's opinion. It might, be, it might be the opinion that you read in the Telegraph or somewhere else. These opinions, they have a massive impact on us. We've also got these things that, honestly, I think this is a massive one. If I could have done these all different sizes, I think this would have been one of the biggest emotions. And see, the thing is, when it comes to, let's take actions first. When it comes to our actions, this is more what it's like. We're influenced by a bit of the weather. Then maybe we're influenced by, oh, something we saw on Facebook. Something on TikTok has influenced our actions. Then we've done something based on an, an opinion. And, a, and actually, then linked to, that is, linked to that is our emotions and how we feel. And we make these decisions. And actually, before long, and you're going to get the idea very quickly, but because it's going to look beautiful, I'm going to keep doing it. That actually, in terms of character, our moral choices, the kind of person that we are, actually, some of the things that have, emotions have massive impact on the decisions that we make. The, the decisions we make with our sexual activity often is more to do with how we feel than anything else. Well, it feels good. And then linked to hormones. And then hormones have a massive impact on our desires. They kind of change how... We do that, and then someone sends us, uh, I don't know, something on a, a YouTube video, and our desires are impacted by that, and that affects our character. And before long, something on Facebook has happened. That was reinforced on the BBC. What about our desires? You know, our desires are imp- influenced by so many things. I think the, this one needs to be linked back and forth. A lot of hormones. They're so strong, they broke the string. (laughs) Emotions and desires. Well, it just feels good. And you know that these things, they divide us. They actually bring about a whole mess. And you see what's happening here. The linking between all of these things. Even the weather can influence how we feel. I'll get back to the hormones again and the warm weather. And then when it comes to our thoughts, our thoughts are influenced by so many things. I reckon, I reckon we spend more time listening or taking in the thoughts of the things that are on, I don't know, WhatsApp messages or the BBC. Oh, did you hear this? Oh, it was on the BBC. So? So? Oh, but send, somebody sent me something on Facebook, like I said, and, and it seemed credible. So? But our thoughts are influenced by so many things. Let's not leave Twitter out for those who are older. And it influences our opinions. And before long, you can see what's happening. The weather's having a good day. And then our memories come through and you get the idea. Before long, this is our head. And this is our heart. And what we think. The kind of person we become the desires that we feed and the thoughts we entertain. It's worry. You know when Jesus said, do not worry? He's saying, do not be divided. Don't be divided. Because he says, the people in the world are giving in to this division. They are divided. And just a couple of thoughts, if I can unpack this. 
In fact, let me, before I do that, let me just bring back to Steph's point last week. I'm, I'm having fun with the camera people. I'm just going to keep moving around and see if we can stay in shot. So um, what Steph was talking about last week is really important. And that is it is possible for us to live a different way. In fact, this golden thread represents the personal work of the Holy Spirit. When the Lord is enthroned in our lives, when, when he is the one who's sitting on the throne of our lives, then it's incredible our actions are different than if, they, than if we weren't, you know? We're actually in a place where he's enthroned. And this is God's desire for us. This golden thread is more powerful than the scatty thoughts. It actually is more powerful. It has a massive impact on the way we treat the people that we do life with, on the kind of person we become, on the kind of sleep that we get, the kind of person we are to be around, and our thoughts. It's incredible what happens when everything is submitted and we can say genuinely to the Lord, Lord, you are enthroned in my life. Jesus says, this is the choice. The kingdom of God is like that golden thread. And we're invited to live in that kingdom, not in the crazy empires created around us. Now, just a couple of thoughts. This is the, the choices between poor vision and clear focus. That's, that's from the text. Are we seeing clearly or not? The, the choice is between mixed emotions or one devotion. That's the choice we're given. Oh, I'm just having, I, I, I'm hungry, so I'm angry. I'm hangry. We've all got hangry. I get hangry. There's, you know, we've, we've made sorts of names to make them more palatable. It's not okay. It's not okay to swear at someone that you share life with just because you haven't had one of your three meals a day. That's not, that's not the kingdom of God. There's no excuse for it. Jesus says, do not worry. Do not be divided. Don't, have, don't give in to emotions. And some of us today, the reason it's uncomfortable is because most of the things that you think and, the, and desire, and the kind of person you are, and the actions, are actually more informed by our emotions than our devotion. That's the problem, according to Jesus. The unbelievers are living like that, but you need to live a different way. And the difference is, when we're, if you look at the red string, it's a difference between, I don't really know what I want. I don't really know what I want. I wake up in the morning if I'm worrying. I don't know really what I want today. I can't think clearly. It's the difference between I don't know what I want and God knows what we need. Oh, I can wake up every morning. I can. You can wake up every morning with him enthroned in the seat of my life. And I can say, do you know what? I might not know what I want today, but do you know what? God knows what we need. I don't know what I want, but God knows what we need. As his children, he loves us and he cares for us. Now, just a couple of thoughts. You might be thinking, but yeah, Tim, but how? Do I have to carry some gold wool around with me? Is that how I do this? No, actually, it's really interesting. Isn't it? In fact, I was talking to Helen yesterday while wallpapering. What a joyous way to spend multiple hours of the day. And uh, we're wallpapering, we're just chatting. And I said, no, if Jesus says, do not steal, and I steal... What is that? Well, what do we call it in the church? 
sin or disobedience, right? Oh, and you wouldn't defend that. You wouldn't say, oh, well, someone... And somebody might have an extreme um, aversion or um, tendency to that. And a psychiatrist say, you are a kleptomaniac because you can't help yourself but steal. They might need some kind of help. Yes, there might be a, a small minority of people that it's not simply a choice. I acknowledge that. In the same way, perhaps, when Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry... Maybe choosing to live a life of worry is sin. Oh, that's, I, that's really uncomfortable. Some, I'm getting daggers from a few people. But Tim, I've got anxiety issues. My doctor told me. I don't want to upset you. And I know in some cases, and I'm, I'm probably going to upset somebody, I'm not saying that you can't be a Christian and battle with anxiety. I'm not saying that. And your doctors know better than this, and I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm simply saying this. I think it's possible to live for most people who love Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit a worry-free daily life. Something may happen. You might go through bouts of it, but I don't believe, I don't believe Jesus is like this. He's not going, do not worry! <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry. No, he's saying with a big smile on his face because he knows the Father and the Father knows our needs because he's good and he's busy, he's feeding the birds without even thinking about it. <laughs> he's raising the dead like we just raise our finger. You know, it's not difficult for him and because Jesus knows the Father, he says with a big smile on his face, don't worry, don't worry. You've got your exam results. Don't worry. I know it's results week. I know it is. And you might be prone to just fall into the trap of everyone else. But if you love Jesus and if you're full of the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus says with a smile on his face, don't worry. It's because he loves us and he's got something better for us. So how? Firstly, I'd say we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's very hard to worship and worry at the same time. Can I hear an amen to that? It's very hard to worship the Lord with all your might, with all your strength, with all your voice, with all your body. It's very hard to do that and to be divided and worrying with a scribble over your head. Very difficult. I'd implore you, like David was saying, don't be a, a Christian who isn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. How do I do that? Well, you, I think you get with God's people. You get in the church and you give some praise and you give him room to move. And that's why we need to be together. That's why we gather together, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I believe if I get topped up in the presence of God with my fellow brothers and sisters, do you know what? This week is going to be better. Not because my emotions are lifted, but because my soul is filled again with the Spirit of the living God. I believe if I do that, I'm not going to be overtaken by worry. I'm not going to tell people I'm defined by anxiety. Even if someone has pronounced that over me or my, I don't know, three generations above me, they had troubles with that. I'm living today, trusting Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to worry. And my house could burn down, and do you know what? I'm not going to worry. Oh, I bet you would, Tim. Yeah, I would for a moment. And in those moments, and I've known this when Helen was diagnosed with terminal cancer. I've known this when a daughter's in hospital. I've known this at difficult times. I've known this when bills have to be played, including to build this place when we needed another 112 grand and we'd had five gift days already. I'm telling you, there was a moment. 
There was a moment when I could have given in to worry, but I'm choosing every single day by the grace of God, full of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm going to trust you. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Two things quickly. Second, to, re- to rehearse your trust in God. To rehearse it. That means just to repeat it. If you were going to go into a play and you need to re- rehearse your lines, you say them over and over again. Sometimes you see people doing that, don't you? Uh, just walking along and there's no phone or anything. They're just kind of rehearsing something they need to learn. Well, in, in the same way, rehearse, Lord, I trust you. When the bill comes through the door, I trust you. When something comes against you, I trust you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that my kids are going to be all right in their exam results this week. I thank you. Lord, I trust you. I just want to say I trust you with that. Even if they've failed miserably, even if they're going to have to go, I don't know, I'm not going to say something offensive. Um, whatever they have to do in terms of life choices, Lord, even if they've failed their exams, you know what? I trust you. I trust you. I trust you with that person's illness. I trust you with this situation. And thirdly, to exercise generosity. You see, actually, I'm, I'm quite impressed to have been able to spend this amount of time in Matthew 6 in this section without doing a big, long talk about giving financially, but here we are. <laughs> and my third point is this. If you want to exercise worry-free life, particularly in the area of finances, give more away. Be more generous. Be more generous. Because when we exercise, and I use the word exercise because it's a muscle that if you stop using it, it becomes all a bit flabby, and it can't do what it used to. Well, generosity is part of the nature of God, and we can kick worry into touch with our finances when we are more generous. I don't know how it works, but it is how it works. The less I give, do you know what? The less I want to give, and then the less I want to give, and then I get to the offering time, and it's like, oh, I'm going to duck this one again. Oh, I ducked another one. Oh, another up here. Oh, I'm du- I don't know. I'm doing pretty good at the moment. And we become, our mindset goes wrong. It's not single-hearted devotion. It's something else going on. I really want to encourage us to be of a mindset to, and just to exercise generosity. The offering is an opportunity to demonstrate to the Lord, I'm not worried about my finances. I'm not. And that's why the first bill out of my, um, that's not a bill, the first thing before any of my bills go out, the first payment out of my bank account and mine and Helen's for all these years, and it will continue to be so thus, is to my local church family. Because I'm saying I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. And I can't, I haven't seen over the years a better place if you're part of a local church family to invest the first thing that goes out after the pay comes in is to say, do you know what? I'm going to faithfully, as part of this church family, I'm going to give a proportion of my income first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God in my finances and then the rest will care for itself. And do you know what? The Lord cares for all of it. Yeah. I want to encourage you to exercise generosity. Now, finally, I've used up plenty of time. Hear, hear the heart of God. Jesus, he might want us to be uncomfortable at the challenge, but he's loving in giving it. Do not worry. Do not worry. Whatever is competing in your mind, Whatever's confusing your mind, hear the heart of God, do not worry. And we say, come Holy Spirit, would you teach us what that means? In Philippians, and this will be a verse that some of your minds will have gone to already, but I'm going to read it. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. It's not just Jesus. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry 
about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Listen to this, verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So don't worry. Don't worry. Let's just welcome the Holy Spirit now. Maybe put phones, Bibles down. Maybe Shania can come up as well, the band. And I guess the first place to start, and, and you're adults able to work this out for yourselves. Maybe the first place to start is a simple act of confession, repentance about giving in to the worry, defining yourself by the things that worry you. Just take some time. Shania's going to lead us. We just say, Holy Spirit, would you come and minister to your precious people? Minister to the people that you love so dearly. We welcome you in this place. We welcome you at home. And we say, Lord, for those that are here watching this at home, would you come and fill the rooms where they are? Come and fill hearts and minds, Lord. Come and do what only you can do. Because you are faithful and you're unchanging. So we welcome you, Lord, to do your work. Amen.